Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. This is The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Saved for Later from Guardian Australia, a podcast about internet culture and the tabs our brains just can't close. I'm Michael Sun. And I'm Alex Gorman. Today, we're going to be talking about the last thing Facebook is useful for with some very special guests, Marty Smiley and Nat Demena. Can we just level with them for a second? Like, I know we're on a podcast, but like... This is our favourite thing to talk about. 100%. Like this. We have <laughs> tactics. We have coordinated <laughs> negotiations with potential people online when we're purchasing things. We work in tandem. But first, Michael, I have an incredibly important question for you. I need you to help me. I'm hoping the answer is yes. Have you been watching HBO's Euphoria? Alex, Obviously, I have been watching Euphoria. Like, literally last week, my new head kicker, Matilda Bosley, made me film a TikTok where she described me as, quote, an unhinged fashion girly, which I feel like says all that needs to be said about why I'm watching Euphoria. I wish I was in Euphoria. I wish I went to Euphoria High School. Alex, are you not watching Euphoria? I am not watching Euphoria because I watched the first two episodes in 2019 and it was just too savage a reminder of my rapid descent into middle age. The 2020s hot teens who love drugs make me feel too old, but now I'm doing something even older. Michael, everyone is talking about Euphoria. It is, as per deadline, the most tweeted about show of the 2020s. Euphoria is all over my timeline and I need to know what is going on. I need you to explain Euphoria to me. There is a lot of discourse on Twitter about Euphoria and I do want to preface this by saying two things. Number one, I refuse to partake in the Twitter discourse because fundamentally no one who could ever be in Euphoria would ever tweet about Euphoria and hence because of my lifelong aspiration to be in Euphoria, I am not tweeting about Euphoria but I have been following this discourse and secondly, the finale obviously aired on HBO slash Binge on Monday Australian time. I have sadly not yet watched this episode as I've made a hard and fast promise to my partner to watch it with him. So no spoilers. Spoiler-free episode, incapable of spoiling, do not know what the spoilers are. Good to know. Look, it's in his second season now. I would say that it really capitalised on this trend of like teen shows becoming darker, becoming grittier. Because it's no future. 
and addiction. And like violence and murders. It's the riverdellification of teen dramas. When did you relapse? You got that hold So, Rue, the $64,000 question is, what's in the suitcase? The show, of course, follows this cadre of teens, a wide, sprawling array of high school students, all with their own issues and doing lots of things that high school students definitely do not traditionally do. There's a difference between what you think you should want and what you actually want. Main star, superstar, Zendaya, our new goddess. Worship at her altar, perfect red carpet fashion every time. Exactly. She plays this drug adult teen. It's shot very stylistically. Sam Levinson, the director, writes and um, has a hand in every single episode. It does feel like a piece of auteur filmmaking as opposed to just like a narrative TV show. It's kind of like, I've seen comparisons between Euphoria and Twin Peaks, which have been much mocked online, but it kind of does share that single directorial vision. Yeah, I feel that because at least from the first couple of episodes when I watched it, it basically seemed like someone had taken that Tumblr meme, how to cover dark eye patches, where it's just a photo <laughs> of a girl with hundreds of stars stuck underneath her eyes and turned it into an entire television aesthetic concept. And now we're all sticking stars under our eyes. But the euphoria saturation didn't seem to really hit my timeline until this year when the show came back. So it came out in 2019. Production got delayed in... 2020 and 2021, it's been two euphorialist years and now everyone is tweeting about it. Why? Let me break it down for you into kind of like three major areas. So the first one I would describe as euphoria shitposting. This is a show that lives and dies on the quality of the memes that come out after the show. And like, I'm not saying that like it's different to those shows that you can really clearly watch and be like, oh, like it it wants you to like make memes of it. Like I feel like Succession is a show where you watch and you can kind of tell that the writers are really funny, but they're writing things for it to sometimes go viral on the internet as well. Yeah, 100%. No context Succession whole vibe made for the meme factory but you're saying that when people are memeing euphoria it's not it's not a knowing wink from the showrunners i don't think it's really necessarily a knowing wink because people are taking so many lines and scenes out of context and recontextualizing them into their own jokes in the of course classically like gen z insane absurd way it's similar to the go piss girl meme um (laughs) which went viral a few years ago i think it was just like someone had rearranged the letters of Gossip Girl to say go piss girl and that was a meme. It's it's kind of similar to that where it's just so niche and absurd. So I have some examples of which have been my favourites over the course of the season. <laughs> but one of my favourite memes is actually from um, one of the characters, Maddie, played by Alexa Demi. There is a scene where she confronts one of her friends being like, you look like an extra from Oklahoma. Why do you look like that? Like what? Like a country music song. And the friend is like, in a good way or a bad way. And Alexa Demi is like... You better be joking. And that video, that clip has literally gotten like millions and millions of shares online. But when I talk about recontextualization, this is a screenshot that I want to read out to you. It goes, me when I'm waiting for my Tinder date named Joaquin, who's three hours late and a man resembles him as approaching my table. So I say this in an attempt to pronounce his name that I've only read to myself up until that point. Bitch, you better be joking. I love a pun. And I love a pun that comes out of nowhere, which is a lot of the memes from this show. Another one that I really enjoyed, also from Maddie. What are you talking about? 
Oh, I just, I, I saw her get in his truck and then kiss him and drive off. Um, and also when she's confronting someone. Are you kidding? <laughs> she's just found out that her best friend has been sleeping with her ex-boyfriend and she wants more information from Zendaya's character. When was this? And she's like, Rue? And someone has just taken this clip of her being like, Rue? 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 And the caption is like, Scooby-Doo when you ask him what one plus one equals. Rue, <laughs> so it's it, it's largely euphoria based puns. It's euphoria based puns and a second genre of online discourse about this show that that happened quite recently was there was kind of this furor over the discovery and I use that in extremely large inverted commas the discovery that one of the actors in this show is in fact a Drum roll, please. Nepotism, child. We're talking spawn of fame, right? Born of fame, child of famous people. It is indeed Maud Apatow, who is the child of very famous people, Leslie Mann. Wait, so this was not discovered through her surname, Apatow? Well, that, that, I, that's exactly the cause of the outrage, right? So let me just read, read out to you the tweet where, where someone is, like, shocked and awed by this discovery. Wait, I just found out that the actress that plays Lexi, who is Rue's best friend in the show, a.k.a. Maud Apatow, is a nepotism baby, OMG, crying emoji. Her mum is Leslie Mann and her dad is a movie director, lol. Obviously, that then got so much pile on being like, what do you mean a movie director? Like, <laughs> like it's Judd motherflippin' Apatow. Like, um, and then there was this like wave of tweets that kind of mocked that tweet with like examples like Blue Ivy, Grace Gummer, famously Meryl Streep's daughter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Basically like using that exact same intonation and wording. But the thing is like, the, the, the complaints I've been seeing about off-screen drama aren't just about who is in the cast and who their daddies are. A lot of the discourse around the show is, like, funny, it's memes, it's just, like, insane brainworm discourse, but then there is this other layer that talks about the conditions on set as well. Vulture had a report which claimed that um, actors on the production and the crew as well faced, and I quote, gruelingly long work days that could stretch anywhere from 15 to 17 hours, allegedly as a result of Sam Levinson, director, showing up to set with no shot list. It's an outdoor director you mentioned. So, like, one guy yes. just doing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Really, like, channeling those Hitchcock vibes of pushing the cast beyond breaking point. Exactly. I mean, like, not defending it by any measure, um, but there definitely is this history of auteur directors men pushing their cast members, their crew to the limit. Um, although to be fair, there also have been stories about Sam Levinson and how he has been changing scenes throughout the show in response to cast members not feeling comfortable with certain scenes involving nudity, for example. Speaking of nudity, can you talk to me briefly about the penises? Because I've been seeing a lot of penis talk. There are dozens of penises in this show, I would say. Many of them are prosthetic penises, um, for better or for worse. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be showing female nudity on a show, you better be showing hog, and that's on balance. Yeah, that does actually make me feel good. I feel like that's a tick in Euphoria's corner. But this show seems to have had such a monumental impact on style and the way people dress. It's feels like it's very much taken its aesthetic tone from what was already happening on, I guess, Tumblr, but also now it's kind of mainstreaming 
all of these trends. And I'm seeing that because I'm seeing just screenshots of Euphoria and what the cast of Euphoria are wearing in different scenes. Uh, Michael, I have a very um, selfish question about that, which is, which Euphoria character should I be trying to dress like? Look, personally, I want to dress like Jules, played by the effervescent Hunter Schaefer, who was also a model before the show. So, you know, it's kind of cheating that she's also the most effervescent character. Oh, shocking. Shocking that the former model <laughs> is the one who's the best at wearing clothes. She actually also wears a lot of Australian brands. Like, it was a shock to me when I saw her wearing Pam in the show. And she's also worn brands like Morosky Peach, which is like an independent Melbourne designer. It's like kind of shocking how much detail the show goes into in finding like emerging labels. There are also so many other just like it girl brands in the show. Like Rue wears online ceramics. I'm like, how are you affording that when you're spending all of your money on unidentified substances? Are the teens in the show actually rich? Is it like Gossip Girl where when you see them wearing full look Perenza Shuler, it's like, oh yeah, it makes sense. You're a secret member of Manhattan's elite. Or is this more in the vein of every other TV show where you clock a wardrobe that's minimum 2K and think you did not get that at Goodwill. It's purely, it's purely stylization. None of these people are made out to be like particularly rich. I have no idea how they are shopping exclusively on the Essence sale every single day of their lives at age 15. I mean, most egregiously is Maddie wearing Jacques Mousse in the previous (laughs) episode. It's so funny to see. I'm sorry, no no amount of Depop stalking can get a 15-year-old head to toe Jacques unless they're a literal heiress. And you know what? It is truly inspirational to watch. It's aspirational to watch. And I feel like the show really leans into that. It's very much like a nod and a wink to the fact that we all want to be them. We all want to be wearing these clothes and looking like them and having crazy, crazy exploits. When you talked about the memes earlier and when I've heard bits of audio on... TikTok, something kind of strikes me about them, which is that this dialogue is not uh, what my critical brain would describe as good or sophisticated or complex. Don't be silly, Alex. It's not good. No one was. No one's watching the show because it's good. So the show, the show is not good. I mean, one thing the show does have going for it is the fact that it takes itself so seriously. And I think that really shows in the level of detail it actually puts into making everything look perfect, look like it's been completely styled. I mean, the entire second season is shot on film (laughs) with an astronomical budget. Like, this is a show that puts so much care and consideration into everything except its narrative. Amazing. (laughs) I love it. Next up, some friends stop by to show us the last thing Facebook is good for. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from 
beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Michael, today we're here to talk about a topic that's dear to both of our hearts, copying free things from the street. And we have two patented experts here to help us out with it, journalist Marty Smiley and comedian Nat Demena, who have asked me to refer to them collectively as the lethal weapons of podcasting. They host Housewarming, a show for renters, and... They have furnished most of their house by scrounging, scavenging, and sorting through Facebook to acquire secondhand and discarded items. Marty has actually gone to the effort of writing about his journey for Guardian Australia, and now he's here with his partner in crime to talk us through it. Welcome, guys. Hello. Yes, thank you. I'm glad that nickname is sticking. We are the lethal weapon. (laughs) The lethal weapon of podcasting. Yeah. So I understand that last year you guys got kicked out of your house and had to completely rebuild. This is true. Yeah, this is 100% true. We we was kind of we were living in a place that we were living with the landlord, so most of the place was furnished, we were living in a nice place and mm-hmm. then we had to pretty much move to a new place and get every piece of furniture, start from scratch. They turned Nat's bedroom into an office. And now it's a baby nursery. Yeah. And Congratulations. Whatever. My room into actually a vacant room, which was hugely offensive because they <laughs> didn't even have a reason to kick me out. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we moved all of our stuff into a new place, although we didn't have much stuff. It was just our bedrooms. It was just our bedrooms and a lot of milk crate furniture. So we knew we had to step up and start to fill our lives with useless crap. What kind of budget are we talking here? Uh, zero to about zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really zero. Like we didn't have work at that point yeah. in time. It was mid-pandemic. We'd both lost our jobs. Like Marty wasn't working anymore. Mm. I obviously couldn't do shows or gigs because they were all cancelled. Yeah. The best part was we were living in Newtown. So the streets were plentiful with things to find and furnish a home with. Truly. But – It wasn't just kind of wandering the streets of Newtown that helped you find all of this stuff, was it? It's taken you into a bunch of different online communities that help you basically get furniture for free. Yes. That's why we need you on the pod because I feel like we're all on Facebook Marketplace scrounging deals. Yeah, We're getting lost. We don't know how to negotiate. We get fleeced all the time. Yes. I've been scammed so many times on Facebook Marketplace. Like I turn up for a brand new fleece skin that they've said is $100 and then they're like, it's two now. And I'm like, I guess so. Oh, no. (laughs) The upsell. See, where I'm not like that, I someone will tell me the price and I will say, hmm, I think it could be lower. And then I'll <laughs> offer them potentially 20% of what they've said 
and then we'll go up from there. <laughs> we took that to the next level. <laughs> now what we do is when he finds something that he wants to buy on, say, Facebook Marketplace, mm-hmm. he'll tell me to message them and offer the most abysmal amount of money, which makes his I don't, offer I don't think then look that good. Bit. That's yeah. price gouging. <laughs> I, that's actually, I do, that potentially could be illegal. <laughs> I was going to say, like, do you collude? And it's like... Yeah, we have we had we did it on a TV once, and he, he was unsure whether it was a scam or not, mm. or whether this guy was legit. And we found out in the messages that he was offering the same price to both of us. So we we weeded him out. So there's a tip for you, just to begin with: if you are unsure about your seller, get your friend to message and ask what price it's going for. And then you'll know if uh, he's offering the same price to the same, you know, to different people. So That is very helpful. Take that home with you. Take that home with you. But no, we've been on, yeah, Facebook Marketplace, Street Bounty. Street Bounty. I like Rough Trade. Should we go through them? So Rough Trade, what's that one about? Oh, yeah. Can you talk to me about Rough Trade? Because Street Bounty I'm a little au fait with. But Rough Trade I have not encountered before. Rough Trade's incredible. It's a Facebook group that you join uh, which you can then exchange goods or services Mm -hmm. for other items with no monetary money value. So I might have a pot that I want to trade. I'll say, hey, here's a pot. In, in exchange, give me a Chocolate, bottle of orange juice. slab or, of beer. Yeah. It's been often that people will say, oh, some, do you mind doing some gardening, mm. clearing some stuff from my yard? They'll have, like, they might have a task they need doing. Nat had a rough trade recently because, but he was the, the seller, I guess. Uh, yeah, I was. The bananas? Yeah. Yeah. So we have bananas in our backyard. Which, and- is, which is, like, we just inherited like, we didn't it's plant kind these of bananas. A very unusual share house experience. But <laughs> I've never, this has never happened to us before, but we moved in and there's four <laughs> banana trees with great yield. Incredible yield. Incredible I down, yield. Which is insane. Which is insane. Which we never also used to be in our lexicon, even using the word yield and yeah. bananas. <laughs> it's just not, <laughs> we never said that, but now we do. <laughs> so what did you trade the bananas for? So I, ch- I chopped them down. Mm-hmm. I, I used about half of them. And mm-hmm. when I say half, that's about maybe 100 bananas. I baked 17 <laughs> loaves of banana bread <laughs> in the one sitting. <laughs> And then I was like, I can't, I, I don't have the other ingredients to make more banana bread. It was bread. very like, manic. It was yeah. very hot in the lounge room because the oven was The oven was, was on, on for about for eight hours. So long. And then I put the bananas on rough trade. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, who wants these bananas? Happy to trade for whatever you've got or just take them off my hands. That's a lot of things people do. They just give stuff away for free yep. or they can get a trade if they want to. And so, that's yeah. what I did. I gave away some bananas. Look. I've joined the Rough Trade group in preparation for this podcast because there we go. I love to stay prepared and I simply... Michael, welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much. I joined, I was like, I'm going to make a Rough Trade today. I'm going to do the experience. <laughs> and then I just couldn't understand anything that was happening in the group. Mm-hmm. They were like, like, it felt like reading a different language. They were like acronyms. They were like words yep. being thrown out. I yep. was like, today is not my day. I'm not making a rough trade today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of acronyms that are hard to get your head around, especially when I first joined. I didn't know what NIL or ISO meant, mm-hmm. but... What do they mean? Well, NIL is next in line. So you'll comment that under something, and if somebody has uh, already claimed it and the deal falls through then you say you're next in line, then they'll, you'll be the next person contacted. And ISO? 
ISO is in search of. That's when you're looking for something. Ah. What other lingo do we need to know to make a rough trade? Um, there is NTN, which is no trade necessary. So yep. in Nat's case, although he would appreciate a trade, it's not necessary. He would have also like given away the bananas. So you could say NTN. Mm. Uh, and then there's PIF. PIF is pay it forward. So Nat might have said like, look, you can have the bananas. But go out there, do a good deed. Yep. Help an old lady cross the road and that deal is done. That's what the bananas got me. An old lady <laughs> safely crossed the street. And that's what it, that's all that's it what it's all about. That's what people forget about this business. <laughs> it's not all sales and money. It's also there's community. It's community coming together. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of communities coming together, I don't think I've ever been in a Facebook group that hasn't dissolved into chaos and drama. What what are the key conflicts that we need to be aware of within the rough trade community? Do you get piffed out if you don't piff properly? Um, There's no piff proof, which is a problem. Yeah, it's like unless they take a selfie with the old lady as she's crossing the road, we don't know that 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 has gone. There's a bit of an honesty policy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but you know that's that's kind of good in a way. I can't, you know, it just seems so disgenuine when you have to send proof. It's like when you, somebody you ask somebody to transfer your money and they send you a screenshot of like the payment going through it, and you're like, okay, well, I'll just. I'll see it in the bank account. I don't need you to send me a screenshot. No, no, the <laughs> I get the notifications. <laughs> There's no good deed receipts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm personally of the mindset that if there's no drama in a Facebook group, then it's not worth joining, which is perhaps why I had been a member of Street Bounty for many years mm, yep. and not Rough Trade. Street Bounty, famously a group that is full of drama. Yeah. Let's let's wind down for a second just in case people are not aware of Street Bounty. Yep. Quick explainer. So Street Bounty is basically the Facebook group version of Hard Rubbish. It is an incredible service because rather than having to roam the streets in a van like you might have a decade ago looking for Hard Rubbish and your next treasure, you can go on Street Bounty and have a look at what other people have uploaded pictures of the curbside um, bounty that you can find in different streets and suburbs. They don't advertise the address, but they'll just say what street it is and and then they'll they'll take a photo of what's essentially there. So you, you can examine whether that could be a haul that you're interested yeah, in. Yeah, it's, it's try before you buy of hard rubbish. Mm. So it's like a network of eyes yeah. for yeah. stuff on the street. Exactly. It's really good. And the eyes are often wrong, as it turns <laughs> out. Like, the, like the, there is constantly posts of people being like, I had my stuff stolen from outside my front door. I was moving, you idiots. Like, it wasn't street bounty. And then there's, like, 80 comments of people trying to investigate who took it. It's it's insane. <laughs> so we, we've talked a little bit about the the drama and the lingo, but mm. let's, let's get to the meat of it, the stuff itself. Mm-hmm. Talk me through some of the weirdest things you've seen. Mm-hmm. I, I'll kick off with a personal anecdote. Okay. I was cruising Facebook Marketplace for a fish tank after watching a TV show where someone had a lot of fish and thinking, maybe that could be me. And I found a fish tank that was three and a half metres long and a perfect replica of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Nice. Well, cool. It was $2,000 
Okay. I wanted and it, you bought it very badly. <laughs> well, it's gone now. I tried uh. to find the listing and it's no longer on Facebook Marketplace. Wow. Alex, here I was hoping that you would have turned up and they would have been like, actually, it's 4000 now. And you would have been like, sure, <laughs> I guess let's I do have it. to buy it. <laughs> I did hire this truck. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we've had lots of weird items come through our path. The most recent one I sent, Nat, because we sent each other photographs of things that we see that and then it's like, yes, no. <laughs> I saw a hair salon curler, like you put the dome over your head. You know those mm-hmm, things where mm-hmm. you sit down and you got the... Oh, yeah, a heat setter. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Prior to seeing, I've got very curly hair, prior to seeing that, I never thought I would need one. But <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, you could actually use it to make your hair straight. Oh, okay. I actually have no <laughs> idea how they work. <laughs> I said no. Well, he said no, but then also... I was walking away from it and I looked at the photo a bit clearer and it didn't have a power cord. So that's a, it brings me to another tip um, right here and hit now. Never bring anything back that you can't fix yourself. Like, obviously, I'm not an electrician, so I don't know how to put a power cord on an appliance. So just leave those there. There's a reason why it's on the curb. Mm-hmm. I've seen, uh, I think the weirdest thing I've seen on Facebook Marketplace was a half-drunk milkshake going for $5. Well, that's classic. <laughs> People sell anything, whatever they want on there. There is a lot of food on Facebook Marketplace yeah, there for, is for whatever food. reason. And I, I, look, I would say, I know you guys work at The Guardian, but it's not legal to sell food on Facebook Marketplace. Oh, that's mm. not necessarily true. It can be legal to sell food on Facebook Marketplace. And in fact, um, Nicholas Jordan wrote a fabulous piece about the underground food sellers of Facebook Marketplace. Basically, if you get all your council approvals ticked off, you can 100% oh, well, sell food on Facebook that? Marketplace. What? Who is getting council approval to sell? Well, very what? few of the people selling food on Facebook Marketplace, but some do. As a journalist, I also think... Don't write articles about things that you don't want to end. Like there's some things that go on in the murky underground of of our world and one of those is food sellers on Facebook Marketplace. And, yeah, there is a risk of people's health, but also Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it tends to be like a lot of different like diverse communities basically selling their their family food. Absolutely. And you're like, that's dope. I want a pig on a spit. (laughs) Am I risking it all for a $5 biryani? Yes. Am I risking it all for <laughs> Peking Duck from Arncliffe? The adrenaline is what <laughs> yeah. makes it taste so good. That's the greatest seasoning. <laughs> uh, wait, so f- freaky things were found. So the other one that I was, I was thinking that was quite funny was there was a guy who clearly had put something up on Facebook Marketplace because his partner wife has told him, you can no longer have this in the house. <laughs> And, <laughs> and it was yep, a yep. Freddy V. What's that? It was a Freddy Krueger mask. Freddy Krueger mask. Freddy Krueger mask. <laughs> oh no! And it was hideous. But his the photos he chose to advertise it with were all of the places. I'm guessing he scared his wife. So he's put it in. The, <laughs> he's put it in the fridge. He's put it like in the bed, but just underneath the cover, so you can see the face, but not the body. Um, wait, wait. Backtrack a second. Are we talking Freddy Krueger, Scissors for Hands, Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street? Yeah, yeah. Scars like all over his face. Scars and, and, yeah, just scabby looking face. Really hideous. You could just tell like this guy was trying <laughs> really hard to not succeed in selling this mask. Yeah. <laughs> he was down bad. Like, he wanted he had five him. photos of like all the places that he could scare someone. 
And so I oh. saw it. I saw it up in about you know June last year, and I was thinking, oh, is he going to sell this? It's going for eighty dollars. So I messaged him. I said, why, why eighty dollars? And he was like, that's how much I paid. And I was like, well, that's completely like. As a rule, fifty percent depreciation immediately from when you purchase something. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. As a secondhand thing, you want to be putting it up for more than that. So then, I, I kept watching it. It came to Halloween. It was October. He put it back up. <clears throat> he put the. It didn't sell, so he put it back up. And this time, he re. You know, it was the some, right time for it. You yeah, know? he put up like a new title, which was perfect <laughs> for Halloween. Still, no one bought it. I looked at Chris. I was like, it came up at Christmas because it comes up in your feed. And it was like, perfect for the Christmas holidays. And I was like, this guy is not selling this mask. You wait, you wait. Easter comes around. Yeah. <laughs> It'll get him at Easter. I honestly think you should just buy the mask. Yeah. At should. this point, at this point we should. Yeah. I'm not sending $80 on something. Nah, we've got it in the budget. Yeah. We can make it work. Or maybe you get Nat to message him and offer him five and then you swoop in at 20. There we go. Now we're talking. There we go. Boy, they're picking up. Quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is good. My personal favorite genre of Facebook Marketplace post is people selling mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, yes. like, very similar to this Freddy Krueger guy. Like, like the, the thought process that goes behind their photo selection for the mirror, you know, like, like there are photos of people who are just like only their hands. It's incredible. There are photos of people. It's incredible. It's one of my favorite things to do is to go search mirrors yes. on Facebook marketplace and try and see how they try to negotiate the position the of photo. their body. Do they be, do they be yeah. in it? Do they just get their hand in? Right. They're taking it from the side. So you can't even see the reflection. You've got to straight, straight up thirst trap it so that everyone knows it's a flattering mirror though. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I recently saw a an ad for a mirror, which is just um, a guy taking a very ripped, very shirtless mirror selfie. Wow. Like, you can't see the actual mirror at all. And that increases the value. I'm going to go and say that increases the value. And that mirror is now hanging behind Michael. <laughs> you, you, you have to be careful with selling things that have a reflective surface. Like, mm-hmm. mirrors are fine. You're so aware of it. But I saw a kettle, a metal, old-fashioned kettle, and the guy had taken the photo, and you could see in the reflection, although distorted, he was completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> Did he show He showed he showed massive. <laughs> he showed by a hundred percent, and so it leads to another tip from us: make sure you're clothed when you're taking photos of your items. <laughs> Alex, when we were talking about Facebook Marketplace and just the amount of stuff and dare I say crap on there, um, you gave me a very Galaxy Brain take. Let's get into it. I would actually like trace this back to our good friends over at Kmart who have made very trend-driven furniture extremely Uh accessibly priced, especially like small pieces of soft furnishing. So you can kind of go in and buy something that's a Kmart-owned brand, Anko, piece of whatever that you've spotted on Instagram for not that much money. Mm -hmm. And then because it's so cheap, you can afford to buy a new one next year. And, of course, then you have a, let's say, bar cart that Mm -hmm. you have no use for. There's, like, limited ways of disposing of it. And then you take to the internet to sort of try and offload it. Mm -hmm. And the rise of fast furniture means that 
all of these kind of slightly dated style pieces that are affordable on a sort of middle-class salary then collapse into the free market because we have no way of getting rid of them because there are so damn many of them. And that's the real trickle-down economics. <laughs> yeah. it, is, it, is, it is a form of... It, that is actually trickle-down economics. Unfortunately, most of it trickles down into landfill. Yeah. But fortunately, rough trade and street bounty hunters are at least... <laughs> staying the tide in little ways. No, I think I think it's good to be to, you know to be ahead of the curve. I think you you're definitely ahead of your time with this. I think people are still wrapping their head around fast fashion. I don't think they've clocked into fast furniture I just guess yet. You're saying like Kmart is the fashion nova of furniture. It's the, yeah, it's the H H&M. and Yeah, it's the sheen of furniture. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's all all the more important then to buy secondhand, right? Mm. Cuz ultimately I think even from my own experience, I don't see as many like Ikea and Anco and those kind of brands that are quite mass produced on marketplace as much as I see them thrown out. And I guess like with Ikea and Kmart, we kind of have to talk about the weather as well, because when it comes to those fast furniture pieces, that plyboard, the second a drop of water hits it, destroys it. 100%. Yeah, which is why like places like Facebook Marketplace and Rough Trade, that's where you can get like really nice vintage furniture that's solid, that's been around for decades, Mm -hmm. quite cheap. And then it also has great resale value. Whereas I can't imagine buying something from Ikea or Kmart from Facebook Marketplace and then trying to sell it on again. The third time. It's really only got two goes in it yeah. if you're lucky. Although it's interesting that you know that like the beautiful vintage pieces might have potential future resale on Facebook Marketplace because I've realised that Facebook Marketplace is actually a much more reactive and responsive to trends space than your average secondhand or vintage furniture shop. So I got a set of four Parker tea chairs that were listed for minimum $1,500 on Facebook Marketplace from an antique store for 400 bucks total. Oh, wow. Because the antique store hadn't realised that Parker tea chairs were a hot interior item. Mm. But Facebook Marketplace knew. But Alex, if you manage to find the right seller on Facebook Marketplace, aka like a 60-year-old little old lady who's just getting rid of the furniture she's had for 30 years, that's where the real deals are. Like when she when she sells you a parker chair for five bucks. I don't think it is a 60-year-old little old lady who's on Facebook Marketplace. Who's buy it? Yeah. Oh, there is, and I bought from her before. <laughs> but Facebook Marketplace to me is like the only part of Facebook that young people are still on. Mm. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. That's I only use it now for really obscure, extremely niche Facebook groups and marketplace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I use it for all the minion memes, my auntie's posts okay. all the time. There's <laughs> <laughs> some good stuff on there. <laughs> Do you think it is actually like the last relevant place on Facebook for people under forty? Yeah, because honestly, I don't know. I don't know what I would do without those groups and the marketplace because there isn't a better service. So something would have to pop up that took its place. The other online flea markets don't really compete because the algorithm's so good at feeding you items you've already looked at and are interested in. Money and Nat, you host the podcast. Housewarming together, your housemates, your friends. 
Maybe the real street bounty was the friends we made along the way. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to come and talk about this topic with you. One last tip before you go. This is a tip we learned very recently. If you're trying to sell something on Facebook Marketplace, put a pot plant in the image. Bit of greenery with the item you're trying to sell (laughs) just makes it look a bit nicer. You get a better chance to sell it. Michael, it's almost time to say goodbye. But before we do, I want to know what's been lighting your heart on fire this week? What is top of your list? Top of my list is a movie called Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by indie luminary Mike Mills. Um, I do have to warn you that it is a movie about a podcaster. <laughs> so, so this is definitely just podcasters plugging podcasters. But it's a, real, it's, it's a lovely movie about a podcaster who is doing this huge, sprawling American project where he goes and interviews teens all across the country. And he also is forming a, a, his own special little bond with his nephew in the meantime. To continue the recursive podcasting theme, the top of my list this week is actually an episode of a podcast called Judge Don Hodgman. It's their latest episode, which is called Suing for Soul Custody. And I am recommending it because it is the insane story of two Australians, one of whom wants to upload his soul onto the blockchain and then sell it in fragments as an NFT and his wife, who would very much like him to not do that. But in this podcast that is very much designed for an American audience, you hear some of the most savage Australian media criticism, including some choice lines about Koshi, (laughs) that, you know, there's nothing that an Australian likes more than hearing an American talk about our stuff. And this has that along with some truly insane NFT discourse. Alex, don't give me ideas. I feel like I want to sell my soul as an NFT now. I'm sure it'd be worth a lot. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, you should absolutely subscribe to Save for Later wherever you get your podcasts. And if it's through Apple, you can also leave us a review. Nice ones only, please. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert and Joe Koning, who also handcrafted the music. It was executive produced by Miles Martignoni and Steph Harmon. We're going to be here again next week, working through our tabs once again. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food, Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. 
This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.